Hi there and welcome back to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Zagal, and it's great to have you back with us today. And today is a special episode where we look at diversity across the life science outsourcing space. Throughout the time that I have recorded the podcast, I suppose the prominence of the diversity theme has become more and more prevalent since kind of early 2020 to where we are today. There's obviously been a lot of macro events during that time that have contributed to that, but nevertheless, it's been a theme that I see more and more. And certainly the one theme and takeaway that I've taken from 100 plus episodes that we recorded is diverse teams equal better business outcomes. That is proven time and time again, both with data and anecdotally. And so it's fantastic to hear some of those themes uh, come up again and again. And, you know, as someone that has carved a pretty unconventional path for myself, uh, you know, I remember years ago, I think it was in 2006 or 2007, I was selected um, for an EU project looking at people that were in, I suppose, non-conventional jobs based on gender and race. So I was an in, a guy from Indian heritage. I was a, I am a male and I was working in a, a PR agency, which is something you don't necessarily associate um, with the industry, certainly not you know, 15 years ago. And so it's fascinating to see, I suppose, me being seen as someone diverse in a particular industry and that come through in so many different ways as time has come by. One of the things I really like about the diversity topic generally is just the different perspectives. It's not just about race. It's not just about gender. It's not just about religion. It's not just about sexual preference. It is all of these things and things that will come to fruition in the future. We are all different and that difference generally brings a greater I suppose, debate, perspectives, and that leads to better ideas in business outcomes. And over the last couple of years, we've had several guests talk about this theme and give their perspective and going into quite a lot of, of detail. And what we wanted to do was, was bring some of those perspectives, and, you know, I suppose, slice and dice them up and package them in a nice episode for you. And that's exactly what we've done. And, you know, some of the interviews that we've done talk about the challenge the industry that we work in has had. You know, I remember going to CPHI for my first one ever in 2005, and it was predominantly middle-aged, you know, white guys, which is just the way the industry was then. And it was fascinating being at CPHI in 2022. First and foremost, I think I was one of only two guys in my team of about 15 and the rest were females. So as part of the remarketing team, I felt like we were a very diverse team naturally just in the way uh, that we were there. And it was just amazing to see, I suppose, the difference in that 20 year period in just the, I suppose, the the beauty of diversity that's so at CPHI. Having said that, there is still a long way to go. And that's what this episode tries to explore not just how we think about it, but things that we can do as leaders uh, to evolve this and, and make a difference in our business in terms of pushing equality and diversity as part of their organizations. So I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and thanks for always, uh, thanks as always for listening 
to the show and for my team for helping me uh, pull this together. And they do all the hard work today <laughs> instead of me. This is an easy job for me, but it's a real pleasure to bring this episode to ears. And if you like today's episode, uh, please give us a rating on the app, uh, the app store of your choice that you use to listen to the podcast and maybe share it with a colleague internally as it's such a topical theme. So please enjoy today's episode. First up, we've got one of my favorite people in the whole world is Barbara Morgan, who is now Global VP of Farmer and Biotech at Kerry. And, and you, you mentioned a really interesting point around kind of having a kind of female based kind of group of mentors outside of, yeah. outside of work. And I'm keen to just talk about um, diversity in the sector and, you know, certainly just even interviewing some of the podcasts that I've been, the, the guests that I've been speaking to, there are certainly more and more, um, it might just be my network, obviously, but mm-hmm. senior, senior female people in the pharmaceutical sector, which I think is fantastic uh, mm-hmm. to see. So I don't know if, you, if you're happy to talk a little bit more about I suppose, what, any advice that you've got for kind of younger females that are growing careers in the sector or trends sure. that you're seeing or, or just anything around that topic would be really interesting for, for some of our listeners. Yeah, and I'll separate the two. And so if, when I don't remember the second part that I want to talk about, bring me back to it. <laughs> I will do. My group of women outside of Lubrizol, it's funny, we actually um, came together. We were going to form this group around high potential women. We called it hypo um, they might kill me for telling this story, so I won't. <laughs> but um, we had all these grand ideas. And then at the end of the day, it was like, wow, that's a ton of work. We have jobs that require like 80 plus hours a week from us. When are we going to get this done? And so it kind of condensed down to the four of us um, where we just get together all the time. Um, one of them runs a venture fund. One's a, a partner at McKinsey and another runs a startup. Um and so they're just, there's such a diversity of what each of them do. And I also just like really enjoy them. Um, and we're incredibly smart and fun. And like, we all now go on vacation together. And so it really does take a village on these things. But they're also people I can go to when I'm grappling with certain things. And um, so that's been really great. And it's great to see, you know, women out there that are really breaking what we'll call the the glass ceiling out there. And so I'm incredibly proud to to call them my friends. But to diversity and inclusion itself, you know, for me, it's if you go back and like I am a scientist, right? So let's go back to the data. Diverse teams lead to better outcomes. So, you know, to not do it would just kind of be silly, right? And if I look for the the top three things around that, it's really, okay, unconscious bias is real and it's bias, not prejudice. When you're doing diversity and inclusion right, it's probably a little uncomfortable, right? When you're managing people that are totally different from you, it's gonna maybe take some more time and effort for you to manage them but they're some of your most important people because they have strengths different from yours. You should use them. Don't fight it, right? Make them feel included and respected. They're going to give you something that you're not going to get from others. And then lastly, the data just, as I said before, speaks for itself. And it's literally on every measure. It's innovation, it's employee engagement, and financial results. So why? I guess the better question is why not do it? 
Next up, we have Tia Lal Williams, who's founder and CEO at Lucas Pie Bio. Tia was actually one of the, I suppose, most explosive guests that we've had on, and her episode remains one of the most popular. So listen out for her views now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I officially got my unicorn title from Philadelphia Magazine yesterday. <laughs> on paper and a, and a public magazine, uh, and I feel great about it. Yeah, I mean, one of the things uh, when when I was uh, introduced to you was you are you are not the typical, uh, I suppose, leader of a CDMO that I have interviewed and come across in the sector, and and I love that fact. And uh, you're someone that talks very passionately about kind of diversity and inequality of the industry. And um, so, given your kind of twenty years in the sector, I'd love your take on you know, how uh, those very topical. Uh, issues right now around equality and diversity how those have changed in the last 20 years are we in a better place now within pharma and biotech uh, you know as in 2020 than we were saying in in the 2000s or are things relatively still the same in your eyes i think they are relatively same if not worse uh due to the last four years of president trump uh him and his administration the past four years actually gave permission for people to be more open about their racism and and not willing to understand or learn um, everyone's cultural differences. Uh, and so as I think we're about the same, if not worse, um, definitely saw a trend going down in biotech as far as diversity and inclusion uh, with regarding to having people of color and leadership positions. Uh, but unfortunately, we have not changed anything on the manufacturing operator floor as far as operators actually make the drugs, do the quality control checks, things of that nature. Um, those are mostly still black and brown people without any opportunity uh, for a leadership position to get them uh, more of a corporate, corporate office uh, leadership situation. So uh, that's, that's where I stand on that. It's actually worse. Well, it's, it's a shame to, to hear that, obviously, as well. And, and do you think the kind of recent, I suppose, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter movement here in the U.S. and across the world, do you think that will have... Uh, any lasting effect on the sector and I suppose linked closely to that I mean I suppose looking at you someone like yourself who is now uh, you know a leader in the sector what what you want to bring to that discussion as well so be interested in your thoughts on on those two two topics uh black lives leader and effect on us uh, I, I'm indifferent I don't know if it will have a direct effect just like I don't know if they have a direct effect on any industry I think you have to do more than just protest and riot for change somebody has to actually push that button and perform change um and that's one of the things that uh, not only the, the biotech industry but a lot of other industries are scared to push there are times that with my previous employers i'm gonna name that well i was frequently told that you cannot have this issue because our company is not ready for that type of leadership you're not ready for that type of change what that means exactly from their viewpoint, uh, I don't know. But from my viewpoint, um, it looks as though you think that I will cause some type of chaos by being the actual <laughs> queer person uh, in a leadership position, forming uh, uh, performing uh, in the same manner as my peers in a professional manner. Um, so I don't know if they will have a direct impact. Does it open some, uh, you know, now that it's known about the racism? I guess you say widespread, even though it's been known for years. <laughs> Co covertly, it's just that now people are all loud and proud about it. Um, it may, it may. I think COVID-19 has uh, exacerbated um, the effects 
uh, long-term effect on racism and the ability for people of color to generate wealth and have high-paying jobs and access to good uh, health care, even all the way down to the simple things of being able to work from home. Um, I just had this conversation uh, with, with one of my uh, mentees as case studies that I'm working with now, and uh, we were talking about that, you know, we forget sometimes, uh, not only as the, the mass, you know, the majority Caucasian race, but also as people of color, that there still hasn't been a lot of inroads in the, in the employment sector for people of color, meaning uh, there are unfortunately a larger number of my, my fellow community members that are working uh, at below minimum wage jobs and have been living off that uh, type of employment for generations uh, to the point where COVID-19 is actually going to cause us to actually go backwards um, and in employment opportunities because of the lack of job skills. I know we were talking about, you know, people, most people of color in our community, you know, they don't really have a whole lot of technical skills. Um, and it's simply because of lack of access and opportunity, not because they can't and they don't want to. When you work a job that you have to be on the floor, um, it could be fast food, it could be a warehousing at Home Depot, whatever. Most times they don't have a computer. They have a phone that they use to apply to jobs and they have an email address. And most of them don't have a personal email address. A lot of them use their job email address for different things uh, for them to access digitally and, and memberships and to get things done. So COVID-19 has, has put a, a, a open, a, a gaping hole um, to people of color in which we as people of color, us to have the opportunities, um, such desire to formulate these two companies and provide high police jobs. We have to really go after and target uh, people of, of of color to get these jobs so they can improve their job skill sets so they can have access to wealth. More importantly, be able to uh, legitimately take care of themselves and their families. Well, thank you for your thoughts, and it's obviously a very, uh, I suppose, you know, sensitive subject in many respects, but one that I think you know everyone's talking about now, and it's it's a good thing that people are talking about. And if, you know, for our listeners that are. You know, many of our, our listeners are molecule to market or, or in senior management or running either contract service businesses or on the farm and biotech side. What what can they do? So, you know, you mentioned, you said the phrase push the button. What does that mean in reality? And and I, I'm going to come on and talk about your role in, in part of this, but you know, for any of our listeners that are thinking, okay, this, you know, what Tia is saying is absolutely right. And I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. What advice would you have for those uh, leaders in, in, in the farm and biotech industry at the minute? Push the button means actually take the time with your sand leadership team or wherever your stakeholders are. Look around. See how many people of color you have on staff in leadership positions, not office associate positions, not in the mail room, not at the front desk answering phones. Look at who's in these rooms at the table and see, okay, well, we need these needs, uh, these job positions filled. Uh, anyway, so how can we go after and make sure it's filled with people of color? More importantly, uh, promoting uh, people of color that may be um, uh, eligible for these positions in-house. And so what you do is push that button is to assess that and you purposely look below. You look below for the, the, the people that have been working with you for 20 plus years and they are made higher than lead associate, senior associate, or even if they even if they made it to supervisor, that's the case. Look at those because they actually have the skill set. They know the company like the back of your hand. More than likely, 
we've probably kept them there unknowingly or knowingly to make sure that the heartbeat of your company never stopped. And so now it's time to give them an opportunity to use that skill set that they have and take it to the next level. And more importantly, help your company get to the next level and make room for somebody else to keep up their heartbeat on the shop floor, as we call it. Next, we have Jeff Dill, who is CEO at Dynamic. He is genuinely one of the smartest guys I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And his business that he runs at Dynamic, a part of a bigger group called Anisio, is genuinely one of the most fascinating cultures I've ever seen in my in my experience. Really fantastic culture in that business. So Jeff talks about diversity in his episode. There's one thing I wanted to rewind back to, which I was hoping to ask you about, which kind of fits, I suppose, with the sector at large. And it was around diversity and inclusion. I noticed um, on your LinkedIn company page, I think a couple of weeks ago, you put a, there was a note from you about the importance of that. And so I just love your perspective on what is a very topical issue, particularly here in the US. Sure. And, and actually more specific to that, just as you know, one of the conversations I've had with business leaders in the last few months is how do we get a more diverse workforce right what does that look what does that process look like so any tips or learnings in in that particular area would be probably really uh, well received by our listeners sure yeah yeah diversity and inclusion is incredibly important to us we have a we have great leadership in this space so i'm passionate about it but we also have a diversity and inclusion council at dynamic and we also have some some key leadership. We have a diversity inclusion lead. We have some council leads, and they put a tremendous amount of time and passion and energy into this. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier with our. We have a stated vision and a mission related to diversity and inclusion. And I, I thought I'd just kind of quote them really quick, just to get people thinking. I think that our vision is that diversity and inclusion are intrinsic to who we are and how we work. And that that word intrinsic was really deliberate. And then our mission is to cultivate an environment that invites authenticity, celebrates unique perspectives, and fosters belonging. And I think those are all really important as well. Like at Dynamic, when I talked about some of the adjectives that we talk about, diversity was one of those adjectives. We actually changed that last year to, to be inclusive. I think diversity is obviously critical, but I think it's table stakes. I think it's how, how are you inclusive overall is even more important and more all-encompassing. So in terms of what we do and, and how do you create, you know, better diversity and inclusion at your company? I mean, we have, I could probably go on and on. We have monthly meetings on different DNI topics. We actually did to your other question. We we had a demographic focused recruiting goal for the first time this year, and which was important to us. And it was a goal around hiring a certain number of Black women, and we had never done that before. And part of the goal was thinking about our own recruiting practices and how we've recruited historically. And you know where, where's the funnel of our recruits? And although we've grown successfully and organically over the past through a sort of a referral networking, with the referral networking, what you often do is you oftentimes know or refer people that look like you, right? And so is that the best way to really recruit to get the maximum amount of diversity and inclusion? And also, as, as I think most people would know, diversity in a company really increases innovation and it, and it, it will help the bottom line as well. So it's a, it's a not just the right thing to do it's it's a business imperative and so uh, we've thought about all right well how can we recruit at, in new and interesting ways to still have the amazing people that we hire today but just increase the funnel at that top of the funnel right to get more people so you know we bring in external speakers we have team training and 
And it's actually evolved to the point in the last couple of years where we, we actually have a diversity and inclusion offering that we help our clients with that aligns with kind of that outcome of, of healthy culture for our clients. So it's fun not just to do internally, but to help clients evolve on that uh, journey as well. well. I think that's some fantastic advice. And what I've really loved about that, Jeff, uh, is, is the kind of granular detail in terms of, you know, looking demographically for more black women to work for your organization. Like, I think that's the level of openness and honest honesty I think this sector needs right now. And actually not just saying we need more diversity, but actually having business imperatives and initiatives like Dynamic has to actually try and address that. So um, I think you know, good on you for, I think as a business, just being so open about addressing that within your organization, which I feel not many do as, as overtly as that. It's, it's often a, hey, we want to be more diverse, but we're not really doing much about it. Is, uh, I, I, I encourage anyone to reach out to you and your organization. And I didn't know it was something you actually offered to help external uh, partners and clients. But I think for anyone listening in, in leadership teams, diversity comes up again and again, but trying to work through it is actually quite challenging. So I think if there's businesses like yours that can help them do it and you guys practice what you preach, which I think is important. Yeah, I think, I think Ramon, one thing you said, I think it is, it is truly being open through the process because no one knows everything and everyone's on a journey and everyone's on a different journey. So you have to recognize that everyone comes with different childhoods and backgrounds and places of the world they grew up in and different socioeconomic situations. And so it's a really challenging situation. So the, the best thing is just to be open about it, have clear dialogue, admit what you know and don't know. Everyone has blind spots or biases and, and just you know be open about going on the journey. Last but certainly not least, my good friend Andrew Moore, who is general manager at Pfizer Center One. And Andrew talks about some of his experience and his view on the industry. One subject I wanted to talk to you about is is diversity in the sector. And we we had a, a guest on earlier this year or the back end of last year, a lady called Tia uh, Lyles-Williams. And Tia spoke very openly about the the lack of uh, you know, black representation at the higher levels of the sector in, in pharmaceutical and biotech. So, you know, given... Given your role at Pfizer Center One, you're in a very, very uh, senior, well-respected, regarded role. Uh, I'm really interested to get your take on how things have changed in the last 20, 30 years, if anything has changed at all from your perspective, because I look at someone in your position and I think you, know, you, you you're an inspiration for many people because of the position that you're in, but it's easy to look at you through those eyes without knowing what it's like being you know, in your shoes, so to speak. So, so what change have you seen in the last couple of decades, if any, but, and also, you know, where do you fit now on the spectrum in terms of, you know, do you see yourself as an inspiration to help, you know, more black leaders get into the sector and grow within businesses like Pfizer? Wow. That's a good question. Sorry. Sorry. I probably was the longest question ever. <laughs> uh, well, first I'll say this, uh, early on in my career, even when I was like, you know, uh, heading up Pfizer Animal Health in Canada and other senior level uh, like positions, I always knew that I was the only black person uh, in the room 99.9% .9 of the time. <laughs> but I never really thought about it in terms of diversity. Mm -hmm. I looked at it and said, you know, am I qualified for the opportunity? And are others qualified for the opportunity? And I would say, okay, I'm here, 
you know, why aren't there others here? So that that was always a question, but it 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 never gelled as to why. You know what I mean? It it was just the way that it was. And I looked at it as you know, from Andrew's perspective and said, I'm gonna do the best that I can do. I'm gonna make I'm gonna ensure that I am a valued employee, that I've done uh, all the right things, I've checked all the right boxes, and I'm gonna be the best leader that I can be and you know, see what happens. Has it changed over the last 20 years? Here's the biggest change, in my opinion, uh, is awareness. Today, you have more senior executives talking about diversity than in the history of corporate America. Um, and before, it was, uh, you know, let's put together this group to evaluate diversity. And now it's like senior leaders today are saying, okay, let's, let's find out how to make it actionable. And not just a conversation. So in 20 years, I would say it's gone from being a conversation to figuring out how to act on it and what actions do we take to improve our numbers from a diversity perspective. So I would say that's probably the biggest change. I mean, specific to the pharmaceutical and, and biotech sector that we operate in, why why do you think that is, Andrew, in terms of um, the representation uh, you know, at, at the most senior levels, is it just the opportunity, access to education, access to growth within? All, I'm sure there are lots of socioeconomic factors as well. I think first, there's just very few positions, mm-hmm. and secondly, to be quite candid about it, is people have a tendency to hire people they're comfortable with. Mm. You know, so if you're not in those social circles, or you don't have opportunity to uh, uh, develop relationships at the most senior levels of, of, of an organization and uh, have strong uh, mentor programs, but even more importantly, sponsorship. If you don't have sponsors, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's very difficult because people have a tendency to hire who they like, you know, and, and the people that they know. So it's, you know, there, there's a lot of factors playing into those decisions. And do you feel any sense of responsibility or anything or what you, you know, in terms of the position that you have now in terms of, you know, we've had, for example, female leaders on that or in very senior roles as females and they shoulder a bit of responsibility to, you know, to act a certain way and, you know, because they are, you know, uh, lighting the way for other female leaders. Do you, do you ever feel that sense of responsibility or pressure or anything like that or, you know, the way I look at someone like you, Andrew, is actually you're in a, a great role to make a difference and inspire others. Do you do you even ever think about things like that? <laughs> no, honestly, I think about me as a leader. I take leadership very serious. I mean, it's it's the way I grew up. Uh, you know, as a soldier, you know, to me, there's nothing more important than leadership. Uh, secondly, I'm a black leader, so that's important to me as well because there are very few of me. You know. In the, in, in the industry that I'm in today. So I, I take that very seriously. So I, I feel a tremendous amount of, uh, I wouldn't call it pressure, but I, I would say um, I have a strong commitment uh, to ensuring that uh, diversity is considered uh, within the hiring process. And, you know, in organizations that I've been in before, I mean, I, I felt the same way about veterans, you know, uh, because diversity is the lifeblood of an organization. If you don't look like the communities that you're representing, 
how can you expect to be highly successful within those communities? Uh, the United States is a very diverse country, and our organizations should be reflective of the communities that we serve. And I'm, I'm very passionate about that. Oh, I love that. I think it's a really inspirational statement there around the diversity, especially here in the US. And, you know, I want to thank you for your candidness because it's not an easy subject to actually talk about, but I love the the passion at which you, um, you shoulder your uh, kind of not, not responsibility, but, you know, the, the sense of taking things uh, very, very seriously. Hi again. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. For more shows, have a look on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon, wherever you like to listen. And do make sure that you subscribe so the next episode comes direct to your device automatically. And please get in touch via our website, uh, Molecule to Market Pod, or via LinkedIn or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have a guest that you want to suggest or someone in your organization that you think would make a great guest on Molecule to Market, then please let us know. We'll see you very soon. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.